Robert Aguilar's King's Code. Give yourself permission to expand. I came from a family of people who were no strangers to hard work and worked really hard to survive. My dad came to the United States as an immigrant, trying to generate income to build his life in Mexico because there were no opportunities there. While he was on this journey for the American dream, my siblings and I were born in the United States in Houston, Texas. And when we were still young, my father sent us back to Mexico to live. We always expected my dad to move back with us. At some point, when I was about six years old, that changed. He came to live with us during the summer, but one day, at the end of the summer, he told us we all were going back to the United States. I was a very outgoing kid when I was young. But when I came to the United States, it was very different. In Mexico, I could walk from my house to my uncle's ranch, which was a couple of miles away, even at the age of four, all by myself. When I came here, I just felt fenced in. I didn't speak the language, and I became very introverted. I acted out loud in school because I couldn't quite adapt to the culture. I remember one time a teacher asked me to do something, and I told her I can't. She asked me to do something else, and I said again, I can't. No matter what she asked that particular day, I just kept saying I can't. As punishment, she had me stay after class and write on the blackboard, I can, over and over again. Just those words, I can. I can, I can. It left such an impression on me that I still hear her voice in my head anytime that I say the words I can't. I would consider myself a smart kid. All through elementary school, I excel. I was in some high learning classes, but I got bullied a lot because I had a squeaky voice. I was overweight and I had big ears. Not only that, but my parents couldn't afford to give me a haircut, so I was literally the short, big ear, chubby Mexican kid with the afro and a squeaky voice. I just added to my introvert tendencies during my elementary school years. In fifth grade, the students put a play to celebrate graduating from fifth to sixth grade. There was a kid in class who was just one of the bullies. My family didn't have much, but my mom gave me a gold chain necklace. We were in practice for this play, and I'd gone to the restroom. But this bully came from behind me, pushed me to the urinal, and yanked the chain out of my neck. The only time I've ever been in a fight before that was roughhousing with my cousins in kindergarten. But this time, I absolutely lost it. I whooped this kid's ass. That just gave me a world of confidence. Before I knew it, the whole school found out about it, and I was no longer the shy, introverted kid. All of a sudden, I had people look up to me, and I felt weird. Going into middle school, I didn't do as well academically because I wanted to be popular. Being a tough kid gave me significance. Then life took a turn and humbled me forever. I was diagnosed with a rare bone cancer in my arm called Ewing sarcoma. I had to stay at the hospital for treatment. I remember having a real fucking attitude. I don't know if it was my rebellious attitude or my upbringing, but I had a philosophy of, if your problem has a solution, then why worry about it? And if your problem doesn't have a solution, then why worry about it? It was very odd even for me thinking back on those moments. I didn't really worry too much about the outcome. I met a lot of kids who didn't have that attitude. They were absorbed by their pain. And what's more, they could see the pain on their parents' faces, and that made it worse. Most of those kids didn't make it. The disease consumed them, and I could see it in their eyes when they gave up hope. I saw a lot of kids in pain, and I felt a lot of pain myself, but I knew that if I let the pain consume me, I would have the same fate. The hospital would even take me around so I could talk to other kids and give them some hope. I would tell them, just say, fuck it, man. You can't change it. All you could do is live the life you have for as long as you have it. That was difficult because I saw their pain. Inevitably, the hospital staff will come down and they will close all the doors in the hallway and that meant somebody passed away. A lot of times, it was one of those same kids that I just talked to. 
That kind of trauma stayed with me for years. But I didn't see it that way at that time. I had this fucking attitude and it helped me to stay positive to beat cancer. Only recently by working with Raul did I come up with terms of how much pain I was carrying from that time in my life. I was able to beat cancer, but the treatment involved fusing part of my forearms bones together. I don't have a full range motion in my hand to this day, but I never let that stop me. When I was a teenager, I started working with one of my uncles who started an auto body shop in North Nebraska. I couldn't do any heavy lifting. I couldn't do the tearing out of transmissions or removing motors. So he had me doing a lot of office work. He told me a little bit more about the electrical systems in the car. And I think that more than anything, it triggered some things in my mind. I learned how in an electrical system, every sensor is connected with each other. If one sensor was triggered, it would affect the entire vehicle. Every circle served a purpose. Then I started to connect the dots in all the experiences in my life. Just like in electronics, everything has a cause and effect. Every thought could create an action, and every action creates a reaction. And that's in life and in business. I could look back at that moment in time and be able to say, this is when I began to understand human behavior and how to build strategies within teams to build a business. Just like you don't see what's happening when you press the pedal in a car, you don't see the hard work that goes into building a successful business. Around the second year after he started this business, my uncle took a trip to Mexico, got into a motorcycle accident, and became disabled. At that point, I was basically his right-hand man. I was left in a position to continue to operate the business without him, and I had to become the leader of the team. This was the first time I was in charge. I was not just responsible for making sure people were going to perform so they could feed their families. I was also responsible to support my uncle's family. Keep in mind, I was still only 19 years old. After a while, my uncle came back to run the business, but it was just mentally not the same as he once was. I tried to convince him to let me keep running the business, but he didn't want to listen. And I had to stand back and watch him run the business into the ground. It all went to shit in 2001 because the local meatpacking plant closed down and we lost 90% of our customer base. There was nothing we could have done to come back from that. Luckily, I started a side hustle as a building contractor before everything crashed. It started off small, but later on, I was contracted by a company that would pay me decent money to run their operations and I had the opportunity to learn how to run the business. Years later, the company wanted me to expand their business operation in California and New York, and they gave me the option of which one of those locations I would move to and build it up. My bosses in the company were also Mexican immigrants who didn't speak a lot of English, and I got to see what's possible with hard work and determination. They had millions of dollars in warehouses and hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of equipment, but they were humble and hardworking men. I knew from working with them that I could also do this. At some point, I wanted to be able to basically duplicate what they did. I decided I was going to go to California. The reason behind that was pretty simple. It didn't snow in California, and I didn't like the cold. It turns out, because we had such a big family, I learned that we had a distant uncle living in Southern California. I reached out to him and told him what I wanted to do and what I was thinking. He agreed to give me a place to stay while I built this crazy idea of a business. The company began to grow, and I was more successful than I thought I could be. I never thought of myself of being a person who influences other people, but as I became successful, I modeled what success looks like from the people who work for me. Success looked like making money, working hard, and playing hard. Manco had a saying, Yesterday were the sweet ones. Today are the bitter ones. We can't have the sweet ones without the bitter ones. So we're going to work. It sounds crazy when you hear it, but it took me years to realize how toxic that attitude was. But he was my influence. And he modeled what I thought success looked like. And to him, it was drinking, doing drugs to level out, drinking more, and then dusting yourself off on Monday morning and doing the whole thing over again. 
We really were in what Raul calls the warrior mindset at the time. The warrior went out to war. He kicked ass and he won the battle. And now he got to indulge. We really proud ourselves at the time of having this kick-ass work ethic so we could get to the weekend and have a big party as a reward. That was the example that was set for me and that was the example I was setting. I started seeing the people around me using drugs and partying hard. It dawned on me that the life that I had chosen for myself was taking me down a dark path. And what's worse, it was taking everyone I care about the most with me. That hardcore realization caused me to freeze on my tracks. Had been this warrior, I built up this business, I partied like a rock star and I created this foundation that would eventually crumble because it wasn't sustainable. I was burning shit to the ground because I was stuck in my tunnel. My road to meeting Raul started when I was lying in the hospital bed with health issues. It reminded me when I was a child fighting cancer and seeing death all around me. I knew that the kids deserved more, I deserved more, and there had to be a better way. And sure enough, I was on my phone and social media one day and I found this video with this crazy Hispanic guy that had a program that helped men find their edge. He seemed successful, and he was telling his story about how he was in the tunnel, drinking and sitting in pain, even though from the outside, he looked like he had it all. It felt like he was telling my own story. I was so hesitant to apply for this program because it fit me well that I wondered if it was a scam of some kind. But I pushed myself through it and applied. The day after that, I finally did it. I got a call from his team. They asked me a bunch of questions to make sure I was a fit, and then I was able to schedule a call with Raul. He's got this very hardcore strict tone about him. He asked me some really intrusive questions about my life, my relationships, my family, and my business. I didn't understand why he was asking me all these personal questions when I just wanted to figure out how to get my business back on track. I lost my way because I felt like I had no balance in my life. Then he said everyone is looking for balance. That's the reason that they're losing the game of life. Because life is not about balance. It's about integration. And if you don't learn how to integrate every area of your life, you'll never get your business back on track. I understood the concept, but I wasn't sure how I was going to implement it. I always thought if I just focus on making more money and grow my business, everything else would take care of itself. I committed to attend his boot camp, even though up to that point, I was very skeptical because I've done a number of seminars and I was more of an informational junkie than an executioner. During the boot camp, I came to the realization that I've been carrying a burden of responsibility ever since my father left when I was a kid. I had to create a story in my mind that in order for me to be worthy of love, I had to be that warrior and succeed no matter what. This strategy was great for growing my business, but I didn't know how to control that warrior. Instead of embracing the darkness inside of me, I made it wrong. I sedated it with drugs and alcohol. One of the things that I learned in this program was how to channel the darkness and use it as fuel to fulfill my purpose. I had all this energy and I was just channeling it in the wrong direction. The warrior will always get sabotaged by his darkness, and the king will use it to create and expand. While I was in the boot camp, there was a hurricane in my hometown, and it destroyed my business. I lost hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of equipment, and my client base disappeared. Then I found out that my business in California that I ran with my family had been taken from right underneath me by the people I trusted the most. It turns out that they had been planning for months to take over the company, and at some point, had signed paperwork that gave them full control. This is what happens when you are a sedated warrior and you're not paying attention to the details. When I came back, they told me, you name yourself the shares and we're going to move on without you. This was my family. I don't think that I ever felt betrayed so deep ever in my life. If this had happened and I wasn't part of the program, I don't know what I would have done. I remember telling Raul, this storm has destroyed my life. But he looked at it in a different light. He said, you could look at it as destroying or you could look at it as cleansing. 
God is taking people out of your life who are not going to help you build your kingdom. You have to trust the process. Before I went through my tunnel, I had a $30 million business, but I was miserable. I had no purpose. I wasn't taking care of my health. I was on the brink of divorce, and I didn't have the desire to fight the battles anymore. Looking back, I attracted all the storms in my life because I needed a wake-up call. This time, I got to start over again with a sense of purpose, not obligation. I feel like God had to humble me so I could listen and allow myself to be guided. My connection with Him has never been stronger. I focus on my health to be able to take my punches. But what I'm most proud about is that I've rekindled a romance with my wife. She has blossomed into a queen. And even though things aren't perfect, we have each other's backs. And now we're building an empire together from the inside out as a king and a queen. My king's code is, give yourself the permission to expand. I had to give myself permission to embrace my light and my darkness so I could become a king. I embrace the sunlight every morning in my ritual and I use that darkness inside of me for fuel. I feel like I could go through anything in my life and it wouldn't face me. I've already been through hell and back and the best is yet to come.